are listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here today. This is the completion of our four-week break that we've taken from our normal book studies to look at what discipleship is here at Oasis Church. And today, we get to eat. And if you're visiting with us, you get to eat too. If you'd be willing to stay, we'd love for you to stay. This is what we're calling our Next Step Luncheon Day. It's where we've taken the opportunity to talk about what it means to be a part of the discipleship process here at Oasis Church. And then we want to invite everybody to take their next step. We think everybody has a next step, and we hope that you're prepared to take that with us. And you say, well, I'm not real sure. Well, that's okay. If you're not real sure, there's a place for you to say, I'm not real sure what my next step is, and we want to be able to walk with you, especially if you call Oasis Church your church. And if you're visiting with us, I just want to tell you, we do this every week, and we'd love for you to consider calling Oasis Church your church. Today, we come full circle in our discipleship wheel. We started up at the top with a little puzzle piece, and we've argued that every follower of Jesus, everyone who has by faith trusted Jesus and Jesus alone, His death and His resurrection that provides forgiveness of our sin, that provides adoption and new birth into the family of God, that provides life where we were in death, provides light where we were in darkness. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you've been called to be a disciple. Let let me just ask the question this morning. Are you, and, and I want you to answer if it is true, are you a follower of Jesus today? Good. If you're not, I don't want you to be ashamed or frightened or worried. We're so excited that you're here. And we feel it an absolute honor and privilege to be able to tell you that God loves you. You matter to Him. He demonstrated and proved that you matter by giving His Son. While you and I were still in our sin, He became human so that He might become for us what we would never be able to do for ourselves. God loves you and has made a way to be right with Him. And it won't cost you a thing. It'll only cost the faith of a believer that says Jesus and Jesus alone is my Lord and Savior. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, then you've come to the right place to be surrounded by that good news and others who would love to see you become a part of the family. But for those that are a part of the family, those that are followers of Jesus, we start with a little puzzle piece. And we say that discipleship at Oasis Church begins with connection. we've, We've been designed and connected by our Creator in order to be engaged with one another in what we call intentional Christian community. See, we argued back on August the 7th. I would encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel. If you're part of us and you weren't here to hear that, go back and listen. Learn what it means to connect. We call this the arena of discipleship. 
not out on the hillside alone. We're not hermits, nor are we lone rangers. We are called to be connected in community where it's messy and, and, and it's, it's vulnerable and, and where folks want to get to know us more deeply than at arm's length. And that's how God designed us. And we believe that's where discipleship begins, in the body. Because we are the body and we're called to work together as such. We move from connection to the little uh, icon that has, I believe, it's the little heart is the next one to serve. Yeah, it's that one right there. We go from connect to serve. We want to encourage and we want to provide opportunities for followers of Jesus to move out of connection into service. We're calling this the activity of discipleship. And on August the 14th, We laid out this idea that every follower of Jesus has been gifted by God with a a supernatural endowment of ability. Now, that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to fly or walk on water or any of that kind of stuff. But it does mean that God has given you of His ability to engage in ministry with great effectiveness And ease, once you discover what that gift is, you begin to develop it, then you can begin to deploy it, and you'll discover that that aspect of ministry really is that place of passion where you really thrive in it, where it excites you. It's like we argued the home run hitter who knows what his job is at the plate is to swing and knock it out of the ballpark. That's the ease and effectiveness of knowing and utilizing your spiritual gift. But we also said that just like the home run hitter has to do more than swing at baseballs, he has to run bases, he has to play in the field. If he's in the National League, I don't get all that American League stuff, but he has to, to, to do the other things. Uh, he has to help pick up sunflower seeds in the dugout. There's all kinds of other arenas in which the homeroom hitter also participates. And so we laid out not only a way for you to discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gifts, through a, a series of lessons taught by uh, the, the, the pastor and teacher, Chip Ingram. We've given you the pipeline by which to do that. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and watch. Go back and listen so that you can begin understanding how God has gifted you and wrestling with that. But then we laid out all kinds of opportunities within Oasis Church for you to serve. You might not be feeling like you're exercising your primary spiritual gift, but you will be partnering with the body and those gifts will come out in unique and special ways as you serve here. And then we said we moved from connection to service to last week we talked about grow. If connection is the arena of discipleship and service is the activity of discipleship, then growth is the expectation of discipleship. We argued that as we regularly engage God's Word, as we we regularly feast on on a diet of what God has said and revealed to us, as we begin to understand it and then apply it directly to our lives so that we live out that faith, 
that we have in Jesus that he will cause us to grow. He will create in us fruit that is the life of Jesus, the character of Christ being fleshed out in our life as we submit ourselves to the Lord, as we walk in his word, as we put things to practice, saying no to some things, saying yes to other things, being intentional about the things God has called us to be intentional about. He brings about growth in our life. Maturity is where we want to be, and God is the one who brings that about as we step in to the opportunities that he lays before us. Like a gym has all of the equipment and all of the trainers and you can even have the membership, but it will do you no good unless you walk in the doors and put it to use. The same way with growth. And so we have opportunities that we want to encourage you to grow in your faith, either through uh, lessons that you can work through on your own or through opportunities that we will point you in to the community or as we engage with one another on what you're reading and offer you opportunities to dig a little deeper. We want to encourage your growth as a follower of Jesus. So we believe that disciples connect because that's how we were designed. We believe that disciples serve because that's what God has pointed us toward. We believe that, that disciples grow if they will step into what God has provided for us and then obey it faithfully. And then lastly, we come full circle. We believe that disciples go. They go. The icon is the world. Why is the icon the world? Well, we've alluded to it the three weeks before, and we're going to see it and read it together today. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, as Jesus has been raised from the dead, has spent approximately 40 days with the disciples, and he's about to go back to the right hand of the Father where he's going to then send the person of the Holy Spirit to be with, to dwell with, to empower, and to guide every believer. He says something to his disciples that is to be repeated to all those who come after them. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Jesus says these words. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Now, we've said it for the last three weeks, and we're going to continue saying it off and on throughout the remainder of our history as a church, so long as I am able to stand here and say it. We believe that you can boil those two verses down to two commands that Jesus gives followers of Jesus. And we believe that it is the responsibility of every follower of Jesus, every disciple, to be engaged in this great commission that can be boiled down to two words. And you're going to help me with them, Oasis. If you know them, you know them. And I want you to say, we are called as the body to reach and teach. We are to take the gospel... We are to reach those that are lost, those that need to respond to the gospel. Those are the ones we're to take it to. We're to reach out to them with the answer that they are looking for. Whether they want to know the answer or not, we have it. We've been called to reach out to them with it. When they respond, and many of them will, many of them won't. 
But those who will, when they respond, we're to bring them close, and then we're to teach them those things that we learn that Christ has given us to understand both Old and New Testaments, that then we are to, uh, uh, we're to, to, to model our life and to pursue those things that God has called His children to pursue. We're to reach and teach. The only way we're going to be able to reach and teach is if we go. And I believe that you're not going to go unless you're first connecting, serving, and growing. But once we get those aspects churning in your life, the going will just come naturally. The going will just seem like the thing you're supposed to do. And a little along the way, you'll learn more and more how to do that effectively in the ordinary mundane aspects of your life as a follower of Jesus. If connection is the arena of discipleship in the body where we're growing and maturing together, if service is the activity of disciple, those things that we're doing and and helping and serving, if growing is the expectation of discipleship, it's, it's what you're going to do if you're following Jesus, then going is the goal of discipleship. It's to, if you will, kick you out of the nest so that you go and be what you've been called to be to the folks who need you to be that. And Jesus said, it's all the nations, all the folks around that need to hear the good news about Jesus. So we're just going to spend a few minutes talking about what it looks like to go. I want to stay in Matthew if I can. In his gospel, chapter number four, Jesus is beginning to, to, uh, to, to, to start his ministry. He's starting to preach. He's starting to teach. He'll begin to, to do miracles that folks are going to see, and he's gathering those that are going to be a part of his inner circle, 12 of them that we're going to affectionately know as the disciples. As Jesus is beginning to handpick these that will be his primary everyday disciples, he comes across some guys who are a part of the trade of fishing. Very likely they're a part of this trade because their father and their grandfather and their great-grandfather and the great-great-grandfather have been fishermen throughout. And now these four gentlemen are continuing the trade. It's two sets of brothers. We know them as Simon, who's later going to have his name changed to Peter. We know them as Simon and Andrew, James and John. Maybe they were cousins, I don't know, but they're two sets of brothers who were partners in the fishing trade. Jesus encounters these guys and and has an opportunity to utilize their equipment to do some teaching. And after a night of catching nothing, Jesus sends them out into the deep and tells them to let their nets down again. After everything's clean, after everything's done, he says, I want you to let the nets down. And they're thinking, we've not caught anything all night long. That's when you're supposed to fish. The sun is out. The heat is boiling. The fish are at the bottom of the sea. This is not the time to fish But at your word, we will let down our nets. You know the story. You know what happened. Then there were so many fish 
They couldn't carry it all in in one boat. They had to go back and get another boat in order to drag all of those fish in that were caught when you weren't supposed to catch fish in a place that you weren't supposed to be at that time of day. Jesus caused there to be more fish than likely they had ever caught at one time ever. Maybe more fish than anyone had ever caught out of that sea ever any time. And as they're looking at all these fish and they're contemplating what has just happened, what in the world is going on, Jesus makes a declaration to these four gentlemen. Matthew 4, 19 and 20, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They were overwhelmed by what they've experienced. They're in the presence of Jesus, and he's done something really amazing. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you know deep in your heart the amazing miracle that has happened in you. Taking you from what you were to who you are and, and who you want to be now, you know that that is a miracle that only God could could bring about in your life and you're amazed at that thing if you if you if you're young and you accepted Jesus as a young person and you don't have that testimony well just hang on because in your life you're going to have experiences that you'll look back and go I can't believe that God still loved me even though I was so unfaithful to him so it's coming if it's not already be experienced and you know that in the presence of Jesus on the on the basis of what he's done for you you've experienced a miracle Wow, that's awesome. Jesus says, yeah, but here's what I want you to do. I want you now to start following me. Because I've got a different plan for your life than maybe you have had all your life. I've got an opportunity, but it's going to require you to abandon your plans and embrace my will. For you to set aside everything that you've intended in order to do what I want to do in you. He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. But you've made us pretty good fishers of fish. (laughs) Right. All that's done is just to show you what I'm capable of. Now what I want you to do is leave that behind and follow me. Look at verse 20. Immediately... They left their nets and followed him. They had likely never experienced more success in their field than they had that afternoon. And Jesus is calling them away from that. And they responded by immediately leaving those things behind. This willing exchange of their vocational purpose and priority. Jesus never said you're never going to fish again. Jesus never said that fishing might not be a part of your life both for, for, for earning income or for just pleasure. He didn't say you're never going to fish again. What he said was, is, I want you to abandon all of your ideas about what it means for, for purpose and priority. I want you to set aside that thing that now makes the most sense to you to embrace something that won't make any sense to you. I want you to leave this behind and follow me. How do we go 
We go as followers of Jesus by deciding to have a different opinion about our vocational purpose and priority. It doesn't matter anymore what you do as far as your vocation. That's not who you are anymore. I know that's what everybody's going to ask. They're going to ask your name, and then they're going to ask the question, well, what do you do? Because we define ourselves by what we do. And then it's how well we do what we do. How successful we are at what we do. Jesus says, no longer matters about what you do. It's about whose you are and who you're following. What do you do? Well, for work, I blank. But my purpose is making disciples. Fishing for men. So the first step... And in becoming one who goes is to recognize that call is yours. And there won't ever be a follower of Jesus who can rightly say, well, God, I would love to go. But you know, I've just got so much work to do. Jesus says, you do? Because I thought I was your priority. I'm not saying, and he's not saying, to um, not do your, your work. Not be responsible for the responsibilities that you have, but not making that your priority. He says, no, I want you to go. And I believe there's some ways that we do that. I'm just going to identify four of those ways. And I want to declare to you before each one of these four that we want to walk with you as you begin to try these things on, as you struggle with them, just know you're not alone because we already want you to be connected. You're not alone because you're already practicing these things as you serve. You're not alone because together we're pouring God's Word into our heart and we're putting these things to practice and we're believing that He means what He says. So when it comes to go, it might be a little scary, but you're not alone. And you are prepared because we've walked with you all this way and we're going to walk with you as you go. The first way that we go is as salt and light. Jesus called us to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. Being salt and light is going as we just live out our faith in ordinary life. So many of you wear the You Matter t-shirts. I love seeing them around. And by the way, I had a guy at Staples check me out. I was wearing mine. And he looked at my shirt and he goes, I love that. Everybody matters. I said, they sure do. You know why? And he said, why? I turned around that right there. On the back, you, you'll read them. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Well, we matter to Him. Well, then you matter to me. And so we, we wear it, but being salt and light means that we live it instead of just wearing it. It's a part of the growth process. As we begin to learn what God has called His children to do, and we do it, and we do it in an ordinary way when we get up and drive and spend time at work and at the ball field or in the classroom or wherever we're at. We're doing those things that God's called us to do. We're growing. We're maturing. And we can turn around and look and go, hey, wait a minute. I'm going. 
I'm being salt and light just by living out my faith. There's another way that we can go. It's in gospel partnership. So it's, it's more than just living my Christian life. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you're not living that, we need to get back to connected, get you serving, help you grow a little bit because you've gotten off, off path. But you also have the opportunity not just to live it out, but to intentionally partner with others in the community that are about gospel ministry. You say, well, I thought we were supposed to serve here. You are. We're, we're, we're a ministry that is about the gospel, so we get you serving and, and, and involved here in the many teams that we've got that you can be a part of because we are a gospel-focused ministry. But then we want you to take that same energy and go outside from us and partner with folks in the community who are where we are in Winter Haven but are doing things that we are not And so we partner with them so that we might be involved in the things that they're doing. We've got four ministry partners here at Oasis Church that are going to be visible and available to you today. They're here from Life Choice. Lindsay Flanagan is here from Life Choice. Faith Extreme is represented by Jenny Barton is here today. The mission is going to be represented by uh, Miss Robin and the... uh, the Youth for Christ is here. We got all kinds of Vergara's here and others that are going to be ready to help you learn what it means to step out of the doors of Oasis Church, connected still, serving still, growing always, but then begin to learn what it means to go outside of our walls so that you begin partnering in service with them as an extension of us doing gospel-focused ministry in the community. You begin to go. I'm living my ordinary life. I'm, I'm, I'm letting who I am in Christ be seen and heard by my actions and attitudes. And then I take a step outside of the walls in gospel partnership. I'm going to ask everybody today at the Next Step Luncheon when you finish eating after you've gone through all of the church tables that are on this side over here, then you're going to come to the, to the last four are the partnership tables. If I'm not mistaken, it's Life Choice, and then it's FX, and then it's the Mission, and then Youth for Christ. Here's what I want everybody at Oasis Church to do. If we're your church, I want your family to at least... Pick one of those ministries. Don't walk by the four tables going, I can't figure out how to get any extra time in my life. Look, we're not asking you to commit to serving. We want you to pick one of those ministries that you're going to pray specifically for. And then you're going to consider how you might at some point in the year be involved in serving there. Everybody at Oasis Church can at least pick one. Your family wants to pick two? Great. I'm already serving at the mission and with Youth for Christ personally. That's a part of my week. I go to the mission. I go with, uh, with Raphael, and, and I serve with those two missions. Those are the two I pick because that's what I'm doing. But, but you can do that even if you can't yet know how you'll serve by just deciding our family is going to 
We're going to focus this year on life church, uh, life choice. We're going to learn about them. We're going to figure out what they do. We're going to find out how folks can help. Even if we're not ready to do it yet, we're going to pick them, and they're going to be our focus of prayer and attention all year long. Everybody, everybody can go down that hall and put their name on at least one of those ministry partners so that you're taking a next step in going. There's another way. This is the most frightening way for most of us. It's the personal evangelism way. It's when we begin to intentionally share the gospel with strangers or folks in our community that we've come to know aren't followers of Jesus. And we actually broach the question, has anybody ever told you about Jesus? That scares us to death. But it won't scare you as much if you're already connecting, you're already serving, you're already growing, you're already going in partnership, then that person in the cubicle next to you that you begin to pray for and ask God to open that opportunity won't need me nearly as frightening as it might be for somebody who's just living their life with Jesus in their backpack, and I don't know how I'm going to tell somebody about it. It's process. It's full circle. We've got some resources right back there on the display wall on this side. It says resources for sharing your faith. We've got a document that will show you some ways to share your faith. Some links that you can go to to learn how to do that. Guess what? If that don't work for you, I'll sit down with you one-on-one and talk about these things. We've got some gospel information. These would you like to know God personally? It's not something that you just hand somebody and run away from them on. This is something you could leave with them, but, but you study it. You learn it. Like, oh, this is, this is all there is to it. Look, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you know the gospel. If you don't know the gospel, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, okay? It's just as simple as that. It's just getting to where you can share that with somebody. It's getting over the hurdle of fear. We've got that for you. We've got these little truelife.org cards that you can hand to people and say, listen, this is a way that you can learn some things about the Christian faith. And it's got our church name and number and Facebook. These are things that you can hand out. We've got these by the hundreds. We'll fill those things up. Grab those resources. And begin to believe that God wants you to share your faith one-on-one. Because guess what? He does. He wants you to live it. He wants you to partner on the basis of it. And then He wants you to talk about it. And then the last way that we go is through instruction and investment. This is that teach part. Where, where you sit down with an individual or you sit down in a group of individuals and you begin to invest in through instruction. You begin to pour into them and help them learn how important it is to connect and serve and grow and go. And you're going on the teach side. Well, you're talking about something y'all do that I can tell folks about. No, I'm talking about something I can show you how to do. And do far more effectively with the people that God puts in your circle than I'll ever be able to do. I really believe that that is what going looks like. Every one of us living it, partnering in it, sharing it, and then pouring into others what God has taught 
us. You say, I ain't got time to do that. You do if you've set aside your vocational purpose and priority and made Christ it. We'll be surprised at how much time we'll be able to find to do what he's called us to do. That make sense? You get a lot of amens on that one. I was a little scared. Ah, it's fake. I don't believe it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You mean it.